This podcast is brought to you by the Leafwing Center, helping children and families since 1999. Brought to you by the clinical treatment team at the Leafwing Center. This is the Autism Parent Helper Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Leafwing Center Podcast. Here, we're interested in all matters ABA and all matters autism. My name is Savan Salikian. I'm a BCBA at the Leafwing Center, and I'm here with my colleagues. My name is Ray Reyes. I'm a BCBA. Hello, everybody. My name is John Lubers, and I'm a board-certified behavior analyst with the Leafwing Center. And I'm Anjit Sidhu. I'm also a behavior analyst at the Leafwing Center. What are we talking about today? Exactly. What are we talking about today? Potty training. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, We'll have to do our best not to be obnoxious with jokes, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, but it is difficult. It is one of those uh, difficulties that we uh, uh, encounter when working with families uh, in our practice, along with uh, our first podcast. So it's about feeding, potty training, toileting is uh, pretty much up there as well. So uh, any information we have on this topic, uh, let's go over them. Yeah, definitely. It's something that, you know, I'm sure we've all faced clinically where our, our, our families, I, I can, you know, remember many times over my career that a family's called me and said, you know, John, uh, we had something happen. We don't know what to do this weekend. You know, my, my son or daughter were, we were in the grocery store. My son or daughter all of a sudden started jumping up and down and ran over into the fruit section and used the bathroom, you know, and, oh, you know, that mortified us and everybody else. And so, um, it, it happens. And I think, you know, statistically, there's some numbers about people that um, with autism spectrum disorders and how frequent these potty uh, problems are. So it's definitely a relevant issue and something that we hear a lot from our parents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And toileting, as we all know, it's a very critical life skill. Um, it's absolutely necessary for for many reasons. First of all, for for hygiene but um, it, it can also improve an individual's quality of life, um, self-confidence, and it can also reduce, uh, you know, bullying and, and other altercations that individuals may come across if they don't have the appropriate toileting skills after a certain age. So why don't we, why don't we define what we mean by toileting? So the, the definition of toileting based on the studies that are out there is twofold. Um, it refers to recognizing the need to go to the toilet mm-hmm. and important. also the ability to complete the steps necessary to eliminate in the toilet. And that's also super important. There are, you know, further discussion on both. So w- when you say recognizing, what, what's kind of implied there is that, you know, I can sense internally in my body when I need the bathroom and I can, you know, um, uh, respond accordingly. Now, the response part is is kind of, you know, what do they say? The devil in the details, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of skills that we're finding are involved in the response. You know, you have to, you have to get uh, up. Get <laughs> up, yeah. And that's not so easy for some of our individuals. You know, you have to get up. You have to identify the location of the bathroom. You have to go into the bathroom. You have to undress at some level so that you can use it. Then you you use it. Uh, that's a skill. Um, you you engage in hygiene behaviors afterwards, and then you leave. So it's a c- complex series of It things. is a very complex chain of behaviors, if we're going to go uh, behavior analytically about it. It is quite complex, and that's where I think uh, the difficulty lies. You know, uh, teaching one of those steps, like walking to the bathroom is something. 
But walking to the bathroom, turning on the light, and then walking to the faucet, to the sink is another thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where uh, most, well, most of our, 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 our the families we work with, that's the difficulties they're having, teaching that chain of behaviors. Given how complex it is, it's almost kind of amazing. I say this kind of jokingly, but it's almost kind of amazing that two-year-olds and three-year-olds are able to get this, you know. It's not just the physical process, it's the social process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's an important thing. Yeah, I think uh, for our typically uh, developing children, uh, this is usually picked up around the age of three and four, four yeah. I believe. Yes. Mostly by the time they start preschool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's important to note that individuals with developmental dis- disabilities, such as autism spectrum disorder, they're more likely to have ongoing difficulties mm-hmm. and more difficulties than your typically developing child. Yeah. So that's where some of um, the difficulties come into play, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to get more into detail yeah. in today's podcast. Uh, there was a study out there in 96, and uh, basically what the researchers had said is that at least about 82% of uh, individuals living with autism have some form of difficulty in this area. 82%. That's pretty high. That, that's and very high. For me, thinking about it now over the years working in this field, it's pretty accurate because I very rarely encounter a family with a child who's got those skills down already. More often than not, there is something lacking, you know, uh, in the way they do things in the bathroom. And uh, so what do you think, guys? Is that 82%? You think that's a stretch or pretty much where you think uh, it really is in your in your own experience. In my practice, that seems like an accurate yeah, figure, especially with the younger population. 82% doesn't yeah. seem Especially for mind. a younger population as well. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. speaking of uh, studies, Ray, Matson in 2010 used the profile of toileting issues, the potty, which is mm-hmm. a 153-point questionnaire. The results of that indicated that there were five common or most commonly reported problems um, in terms of toileting, which were having toilet accidents during the day, mm-hmm. having toileting accidents during the night, okay. having had wet underwear in the past month. Well, and if I can, can I just interject really quickly, guys? I think, too, that... Um, when we're, when we're talking about toileting as a problem or a challenge, and we're talking about um, specifically, you know, our population of autism spectrum disorders, um, you know, I think uh, we probably want to like it, conceptualize it in two ways. You know, one, conceptualize it in terms of assessment of the problem, and then maybe secondarily conceptualize it or think about it in terms of what are we going to do about that problem? Okay, do we have a problem? What is the problem? And what are we going to do about it? So I think that that's what you were kind of getting at, Savon, was this really nice article by um, by Matson and colleagues. Um, and it's a recent article in the last 10 years, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it looks at, it's a nice comprehensive assessment, 56-question assessment, right? A lot of the issues with respect to uh, assessment and a lot of with, with potty uh, problems. I think uh, for that study, really, the driving force there is like what John touched upon earlier is having something to really define how hard or difficult the toileting is for a specific person, you know, because 
normally in our practice, we say, okay, mom, dad, you know, what's the problem with your child? You know, what does he not do in the bathroom? You know, and so we kind of like just approach it that way head on, you know, without some, well, we do try to consider as much information that we probably don't know at the moment. We try to find out uh, like uh, medical conditions, medication, all that, but we don't really have a specific tool that we can use, you know, more like a standard, you know, even for our own company, we have different approaches on how to tackle this area. And that's that where that's where potty comes into play. Um, these authors really, their goal was to have a, a standardized assessment to define what the problem or difficulties are in the area of toileting, uh, inform us that way. And in a way, have a make it drive the the program or the intervention package that we have for toileting what drive what does that mean basically um one of the authors there mentioned that you know if there is something medical there, if there's a medical condition that will prevent the person from having having a successful potty program toileting program then address that first instead of just blindly getting into a toileting program which will likely fail if you don't address whatever the potty has identified. So in a way, I like potty uh, from that perspective. It is an, an effective tool, I think. I haven't used it yet, but um, I can see where the utility is going to come from have, if I'll be using this. And specifically, the authors describe the potty as a, as a screening measure that examines mm -hmm. toileting problems common to those with ID, um, standing for intellectual disabilities, and the problems ranging from constipation to exhibiting challenging behaviors while toileting. So it covers a, a wide range of things. And, you know, parents, you may, you may know this, that, you know, if you have some psychotropic medications, if you're into, if you're a child or the individual that you know and love, your loved one is, has some psycho, uh, psychotropic medications that they're taking, um, sometimes the side effects of those medications can be constipation and that can really complicate things. Or sometimes with certain diets, um, it can be maybe self-imposed or maybe even um, self-selected. Um, if an individual only eats certain foods and avoids fibers and what have you, or things that would facilitate um, digestion and passage um, voiding of um, solids, um, sometimes by, by, by choice, um, diets can, can contribute to, um, you know, constipation, which can be a problem. And that can be something that we have to, to address, uh, one way or another. Um, additionally, you know, taking into consideration problem behaviors and, and, and that, that's an important thing as well. So the potty, the potty, um, assessment and the article that we looked at this week, uh, um, you know, it looks like to be a nice comprehensive assessment in terms of gathering information about uh, potty problems. Yes, uh, I know listener, listeners have noticed this, but um, Dr. Lubers did say ID, uh, intellectual disability. Um, someone help me out here, but there is a study out. I, th I think it was the same authors. They did mention that um, a good number of uh individuals living with autism have some form of ID as well, some degree of ID. That's true. So, although this study did not specifically have individuals living with autism in their study, um, that diagnosis can transfer over to our ASD population as well. I just want to bring that up since some of you may have thought about that question. Yeah, that's a great 
point, Ray, and and what I would imagine the authors, uh, Matson and colleagues, will do with respect to this is they'll they'll rerun studies like this and include uh, individuals with other um, disabilities. I think it's reasonable to expect that probably you know you'll get similar outcomes. There's not a big um, difference um, that we'll find statistically between the populations, at least is what I would see and what I've seen in research in the past. So, um, you know, very good point with respect to that. That's true. The research has shown that <clears throat> up to 75% of individuals living with ASD do show some level of ID. Mm-hmm. And this was found by Matson, Shoemaker, and Crone mm-hmm. um, in the early 2000s. So it is typically co-occurring which is important to note. Mm-hmm. One thing uh, that I've, well, a few things actually that I find interesting with this potty assessment is that they found a correlation between the level of um, ID and uh, the, the degree of the difficulty. So basically, the higher the degree of the ID is, of the ID diagnosis is, the higher the scores on the assessment, which means more difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, thing that they have found is that nonverbal, I'm assuming individuals who cannot talk, since we can get into what verbal means. So individuals who do not talk, non-ambulatory, on fiber or laxatives uh, are also are likely to have higher potty scores as well. So this study was quite informative when it comes to those aspects. Um, anything else on potty, guys, folks? Well, there were four, four you know, big results from that, and you talked uh, about them, Ray, which is great, which is really interesting. So the, the, the big significant results they found were, you know, um, uh, nonverbal um, individuals had significantly higher scores non-ambulatory or, you know, folks that can't walk easily or walk much at all. Um, And then uh, third uh, was um, individuals that were using uh, fiber or laxatives um, also scored significantly higher or or meaning they had more difficulties with potty issues, you know. Um, And then, like you said, Ray, the last thing was the level of intellectual disability. And those that were more disabled had more problems, more intellectually disabled, more profoundly affected. Um, and then those who had less were less uh, profoundly affected. So it was those are you know, four kind of interesting conclusions there. It was really, you know, um, um, interesting to see that they came together with those results. In terms of function, we mentioned this earlier, uh, this assessment tries to figure out function. Um, the potential functions uh, that can be assessed by the potty are avoidance, pain, social difficulties, non-compliance, internal cues, peer rejection, aversive parenting, shame, deception, and medical conditions. And as we've said earlier, um, if the assessment finds that one or more of these are a difficulty then if applicable it's best to address those difficulties first before you know getting yes. into an actual intervention yeah 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 that makes sense always rule out the the medical and those other potential um contributing variables um 
I think it's kind of interesting, you know, probably for our listener to kind of understand we're talking in the abstract about the potty um, uh, assessment. But, you know, let's give if you don't mind, I think it would be worth maybe giving some examples of some questions on it Mm -hmm. and explaining to the listener a little bit about how you respond on the potty um, assessment. So um, it it says the the scale is completed by clinicians with individuals, primary caregiver um, so, in other words, a parent or a caregiver would do it with somebody, with a pediatrician, with a behavior analyst, with somebody to do it. Um, you know, so not not uncommon in terms of the administration. And um, the questions are answered as either um, uh, zero, no problem present, one problem present, or X does not apply. So, and here are some of the questions, guys. Um, for example, question number one essentially is, does not urinate in toilet? And so the you know caregiver would respond, zero, um, uh, no problem present, one problem present, or um, X does not apply. Another question is, um, um, only urinates or defecates a small amount. So same answers uh, strategy there. Um, another one is, has food allergies? Um, another one is hides wet clothes. Uh, and then it goes all the way down to things like um, has a lack of appetite um, or does not independently perform host self-help tasks. So it covers a lot of things, you know, and it's fairly easy to read, fairly easy to understand. And the response, you know, how you respond to it is fairly easy as well. So, so I, I'm, I'm, really I'm really liking it. Yes, yes. and unlike other uh, assessments that we have used over time with our, our clients, this has a lot of very specific, detailed question that we don't usually, uh, I guess, see in other assessments. Like for us clinicians, that we use Vineland. Some of you folks may have already heard about it or maybe even done it. And if you recall, it was probably a couple of questions about toileting there. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the potty, uh, I guess, a more powerful assessment to use than other assessments available out there. Um, that's true. That's one of the major advantages of full-scale measures like mm-hmm. the potty. <clears throat> it really helps to guide intervention mm-hmm. simply because there's so much detail mm-hmm. included in the questions and the answers and it's so simple to administer. Basically, the higher the score on the potty, mm-hmm. the greater the toileting difficulty is. Mm-hmm. And so this is why um, using this in, in our practice or in other clinicians' practices can really have uh, a positive effect on guiding effective interventions. Mm-hmm. Right on. So I think, you know, as a, as a clinician, I, I would say that I'm, I'm inclined to, to begin using this assessment. Yeah, you definitely. Know, um, and I think I would probably recommend it to our families that, um, you know, um, work with your clinicians, your pediatrician or your behavior analyst. Um, if you're if you're struggling with these kinds of issues at home with your son or daughter or loved one um, and you are not sure how to approach it, you know, obviously I would suggest reaching out and starting in this type of assessment. This would be good, go a long way towards providing some initial information. Yeah, it'll definitely help the parents and the practitioners gain uh, comprehensive insight on what the function, and that way you can put together an effective treatment plan if you know what the function is. Speaking of intervention, are we 
Can we introduce this topic? Yeah, I guess one last thought I would okay. say is just that um, uh, Matson, Horowitz, and Sipes in 2011, the article that we're referring to, um, do discuss in there in the article that they're going to do um, further research and that they will further refine their scale. So, like all good researchers, they're going to work on that and get that that assessment better tooled and tuned up. This concludes part one of Leafwing Center's podcast regarding toileting issues. We encourage you to continue on with parts two and three. These segments are readily available to you for your listening convenience. For more insight from the Leafwing Center, please visit the Leafwing Center website and blog page at leafwingcenter.org. Email us at info at leafwingcenter.org or visit us at your favorite social media outlet. Feel free to submit questions or comments about this or future podcasts, and we will put links to information discussed in today's show on the website. We look forward to next time. Thank you.